Hi, I'm Luke from Durham, North Carolina. I'm Russ from Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Jenny from State College, Pennsylvania. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. If you'd like to support the show like I did, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Donate. It would help a lot if I could talk. Thanks a lot. I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Before we talk to Mark Duplass, here's a clip that sets up the plot from his film, The Puffy Chair. It's a comedy-slash-drama that he wrote with his brother, Jay. Mark plays Josh, and he's paying a visit to his brother, Rhett, while on a road trip with his girlfriend, Emily. So I thought you were coming up here with, uh, with the band. <clears throat> the big news about the band is that the band is dead. Well, You split it up? I split up the band. What I'm doing now is like booking bands. Uh-huh. So this is like a road trip then? Is this what you, what is this? Remember the puffy chair when mm-hmm. we were little? Yeah. I found a replica of it on eBay and I bought it from this dude. And Emily and I are driving in the van to pick it up. Okay. And dad's birthday is next week. So it's a surprise present mm. for him. Dude, I didn't so, know it was dad's birthday. I forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the day? The 12th? Yeah. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program is uh, actor, writer, and director Mark Duplass. Um, with his brother Jay, he's uh, helmed and uh, starred in several feature films, including um, Baghead and uh, The Puffy Chair, um, that have been heralded as helping to create a new micro-genre of low-budget uh, serio-comic cinema um, he's also acted in other films, um, and now he's uh, one of the stars of the FX uh, comedy series The League, which centers around uh, a group of uh, 30-something men who are exceptionally devoted to their fantasy football league. Mark, it's so great to have you on The Sound of Young America. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It's it's terrible for me to be here, but I'm, I'm glad it's good for you. So. <laughs> I understand. It's, you know, I don't make any big promises because yeah, I can't exactly. back them up. <laughs> exactly. The water here is terrible. I just can't even tell you. So your brother, Jay, with whom uh, you've worked very closely, is four years older than you? Correct. Um, and I wonder if he, uh, if he dragged you into this whole thing. It's hard to say. You know, there was there was definitely a moment when the first kind of somewhat handheld VHS camcorders came out when Jay was about seven and I think I was three or four. And, you know, you actually had to tie the camera to the VCR. So I would lug the VCR and he would hold the camera and I would also act with the VCR on my shoulder. <laughs> and so at, at, a, at a certain point, I definitely think he was pushing things then. So are you saying he was shooting you? Yeah. But someone had to hold the VCR. So was he, were you, you were holding it on your shoulder and I assume the shot was like chest down? That, well, if we were moving, you know, I'd have to just have it and I could maybe try to hide it under a coat or something like that, you know. <laughs> but then if it was still, we could set the VCR down and we'd be fine. It just depends whether it was a tracking shot or not. So. <laughs> did you have Dolly set up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember one of the first ones we did was like uh, some version of The Invisible Man where we figured out like, you know, 
we could make the shoes move around the house by like moving them a step, shooting it for two seconds and moving it another step and shooting it for two seconds. And like, we, we, we were like, uh, we're, we're breaking cinematic ground here, um, at, uh, 4720 Chateau Drive in Metairie, Louisiana. That's like Harryhausen stuff. It's all, yeah, it was, it was all happening in the early eighties there. We were, we were definitely, uh, breaking the mold. How old were you when you were making this Invisible Man movie? We were like, I think I was four or five and Jay was seven or eight. Um, and then, you know, at a certain point, so yeah, long story short, Jay was really pushing things back then. And then, you know... While Jay and I share pretty much the same brain in terms of artistic <laughs> sensibility, we have very different personality types. Um, you know, we jokingly call each other the bull and the brakes, and Jay's the brakes and I'm the bull now. And if it were just me, I think that I would make 12 mediocre movies a year. Um, and if it were just Jay, he would make no movies ever. And somehow we come together and... You know, I'm very good at getting a movie to 80 or 90% of what it can be. And Jay is very good at taking it from there and making it great, I think. You know, so it's a good combo. I read something uh, where someone asked you if you, you had ever been involved in a love triangle uh, relating to the, the plot of one of your projects. And you said that you hadn't ever been involved in a love triangle. However, um, both you and your brother had had girlfriends who objected to how close your relationship was. That is the relationship between you and your brother. Absolutely. And I think, I, I, I think that's totally legitimate. I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> what, you know, what is it like to be in a relationship with someone who is in a lot of ways mentally, emotionally, spiritually satisfied by another person in their life. And where do you fit in that, in that <laughs> realm, you know, is a little bit, is a little bit weird, you know? Um, and, uh, it's weird. Some of those themes kind of came out in the last movie we just made where it's, it's sometimes it is kind of hard to find the way in. We share a shorthand with each other. It's almost like twins, you know, that no one really will ever understand. I mean, I'm assuming it's worse with the Coen brothers is the only, <laughs> only other example that could be, you know, harder. I read you describing your, um, the first feature film you made with your brother as unwatchable and never to be watched by anyone. Um, it, what was the difference between, uh, the work that the two of you did, um, uh, at the beginning, uh, the things that you're, you wouldn't necessarily share with the public yeah. and, uh, and, and what happened later and what, what was the, what was the inflection point? What did you figure out? It was a couple of things. I think, first of all, we were just young and discovering ourselves and our artistic process. And I think at least in our experience, when we were trying to make art in our late teens, early twenties, it was more about, we were trying to make the kinds of pieces of art that we loved. Um, so we were trying to make the kinds of movies that the Coen brothers had made or, or that we, what we saw in the French new wave and things like that. And, and we were really just kind of copying them, but to a lesser degree. And you, you know, you're not going to beat them at their own game. And, and it wasn't, you know, what we uniquely had to offer the world. And so they, I, in our opinion came across as derivative and just lesser, you know, and then one day, you know, when we were like, it was like 2002, we were sitting on the couch watching all of our favorite movies, thoroughly depressed because we had made this 
stinkeroo feature that no one will ever see. <laughs> and um, and we were like, man, what you know? How are we ever gonna? We seem like fairly intelligent, sensitive people. Why can't we make a piece of art that works? You know? And so we were like, well, whatever. We're just gonna get up tomorrow. We're gonna make a movie. Get back on the horse. Just kind of see what we can do. And and we shot this short film about a guy who's trying to perfect the personal greeting of his answering machine and having a really hard time with it. We shot it in 20 minutes on our parents' DV camera, and we edited it down to eight minutes. It cost like $3, the cost of a tape to make. And that was our first movie that got into Sundance. And that was the click point for us, which was we didn't externalize the subjects which we wanted to make our movies about. It came directly from something that we knew about, from, in particular, the point of view of two white middle-class dudes who, you know, in the absence of greater social and cultural problems in their life, obsess over their cell phone message. And and that sort of, you know, Greek tragedy that was happening in the kitchen of in a cell phone is 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 what the, the emotional and dramatic bar of our lives is, you know. And we didn't think you could make a movie about that. We thought that that would just seem trivial and stupid. But we found that there were a lot of people who connected with that and, and felt like us. And so we were just, that was a click. You know, someone had a quote that said, like, you know, no no filmmaker under the age of thirty makes a, a good movie that's not at least semi autobiographical, and I think to a certain extent that's true for us. Let's hear a little bit of this is John um, Mark Duplass's uh, short film made with his brother Jay Duplass. This is Mark as a middle class white guy falling apart trying to record his answering machine message. Hi, this is John. Hi, this is John Ashford. Hello, you've reached John Ashford at 512-443-9321. I'm sorry I've missed your call. Please leave me your name and number, and I will return your call as soon as possible. Hi, this is John. Hey, it's John. Um, sorry I've missed your call, but I will return your call as soon as possible. Call, call, call. Hey, it's John. Sorry I missed your call. Um, just leave me your number. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks. Hi, it's John Ashford. Hello! Hey, it's John. Sorry I missed your call. Leave me your number. I'll give you a call back later. Thanks. Hi, this is John. I'm sorry I missed your call. Uh, no big deal. I'll call you back when, um, when I get in and just leave me a message. Take care. this button once <clears throat> and after you're done that's your message okay so let's bite the bullet <clears throat> and make this happen all right hi this is john well this is my last chance so i can't stop now i can't seem to get this to work for me and really don't know why, but this is my last try, so I guess this is going to be what you're hearing, and I don't really, you know, I don't care what you think, because I'm not afraid anymore, you know?
Thank you. And have a great day. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. That was a clip from This Is John, one of the many short films put together by my guest Mark Duplass, along with his brother, Jay. What about the aesthetics of these uh, movies? Because the aesthetics of, for example, This Is John, the uh, uh, short film that you made, are, um, uh, you know, borderline non-aesthetic. I would say ugly and <laughs> uh, crappy or fair, you know, words. And, and that is how we began. We, we realized that, wow, if we just throw away everything except for story and performance – we feel like we can get those two things right. So let's just forget about the technical because our experience in film school and with a lot of independent films gone awry is that people spend 90% of their time trying to be professional and trying to abide by the rules of I need this crew person and this. And they feel like if I do everything correctly according to the textbook, I'll have a good movie. But what happens is you spend 90% of your time on technical and 10% on your story and your performance, and you make a well-polished turd, essentially. Um, at least in our experience, that's what happened. So by throwing away the technical aspect, you know, um, that almost freed us up to focus on what we needed to focus on. And then now, as we're getting older and more experienced, we're trying to offer things that are a little less ugly to look at, um, <laughs> but n- never to the sacrifice of our content, you know. And interestingly enough, it's the non-aesthetic has become its own aesthetic on some level that Jay and I have functioned a lot as a documentary crew where if I'm not acting in the movies, um, Jay's on the camera and I'm on the microphone and we just follow people around. There's no traditional blocking or or the actors are encouraged to improvise. So, you know, they, they actually the actors outnumber us as a crew. And, w- and w- when they have that feeling of they're the most important thing there and they're not coming to us, we're coming to them. There's a certain spark and you get that lightning bolt on set that, that we're always looking for. There's a kind of non-aesthetic aesthetic that's usually associated with comedy, which is, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, how, how you would make Wayne's World or something, which is you just put a lot of lights on and you make sure whatever is funny is happening in the middle of the screen. <laughs> exactly. Um, so why why did you choose to do to make it rather than going that direction and just saying we'll just make sure there's a lot of lights and instead you know putting extra bright bulbs in lamps mm-hmm. um, and not doing any blocking? You know it 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 did it was not premeditated. You know I, I would love to think that Jay and I sat down and thought that this could be something great. It's more the the press has almost defined our aesthetic more than we have, you know, in the last few years. But there is one functional element, which is we like to move fast. We like the actors to feel like there's not a lot of lights around them, so they feel like they're in a room and in a natural environment. We like to cast them close to characters that they really are in actual personality. So while they're improvising, they feel like they don't have to stretch too far. Um, And more importantly, we've discovered, and granted, again, we did not realize this until it just happened by accident that if jay doesn't know where the actors are going and he's shooting in close-ups with them because we do shoot a lot of close-ups we just love faces then what happens is the audience almost instinctively views the film through jay's camera because jay is behind the action things are happening and he's just barely catching up with it people are off screen catching it and he instinctively is going with his camera where the audience wants to go because he's trying to discover the action in that way like a true documentary. So it gives it a certain vitality that, that instead of just that like static camera in the corner, you know, honestly, like 
it's harder to make the static camera stuff funnier, I think, when you've got a little bit of kinetic energy in the camera movement and you're, and you're, I guess, just engaging the audience and making them feel active. Um, I think you get away with a little more. It seems like one of the big appeals of uh, DIY as a mode of doing business is that, uh, for example, as an actor, you, you don't have to uh, audition for a part. As a filmmaker, especially if you're doing it the way you're doing it, you know, you have to come up with, you know, $50,000 instead of uh, 10 or $15 million and all the attendant uh, strings that are attached to that. Um, is it difficult to imagine yourself doing something outside of that context? I have. The last movie that Jay and I just directed, um, we wrote and directed for Fox Searchlight at a budget of about $7 million. And we're just finishing that right now. So this movie has John C. Riley and, and Jonah Hill and uh, the Catherine Keener. Oh, Catherine Keener's so great, huh? She's incredible. Um, uh, a, a really amazing cast of famous people. Yes, famous people. Exactly. It is essentially a movie that looks and feels a lot like all of our other movies, except you recognize some of the people <laughs> in there. You know. Um, Though we did, you know, take all of our precautions to sort of use, you know, uh, normal people clothing and not a lot of makeup and make them get them into the realm of the anonymity that we love. John C. Know? Riley showed up to the set with a monocle and you yeah. made him lose like, it. That's an, it's a choice. Sorry, Mr. Millionaire. It's a bold choice, but we're going to go this way. You can take a money bath in your trailer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not on our screen. Yes. At the same time as you're doing all this, making making your own $7 million movies with your brother, you're also doing these acting jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you recently did a role in uh, Noah Baumbach's next film. Now, Noah Baumbach is, is a guy who is uh, making a movie that um, uh, has the maybe the intimacy of your films, um, but uh, it also could not be more different in terms of um, uh, uh, aesthetics and and the quality of the, the qualities of the script. I mean, you could hardly find a more scripted film, a more wordly film. Absolutely. Was that was that tough for you as a guy who's used to just kind of going onto the set with a script that you don't have to uh, use? <laughs> I was nervous, man, because I've you know, and Noah's smart, and we had a conversation before, and I told him, look. I kind of feel like I'm good when I'm loosely improvising. I don't know if I'm going to be good at preparing something. You know, I'm good at finding a moment and then you capture it once as opposed to repeating that moment over and over again, you know. Um, but he felt very confident, you know, in it. And uh, But I was definitely scared. And so my first scene was the first day of shooting. It was a big scene with myself and Ben Stiller, you know. And um, it was surprisingly natural i would say you know where noah really loves the cadence of his words and they work they really do like when jay and i write a script we're like that's basically what the dialogue is going to be but they'll improvise it make it better and it's fine noah knows it hears it you know and um and it was not as difficult as i thought it was going to be that said i think ben is also used to a little more freedom as well so you know we did take one take towards the end where we kind of ripped and loosened it up a little bit i'd be curious to see what ends up in the film i haven't seen it yet but um he was happy with it but i I was definitely a little i hope i can be good here you know because it even though i had directed a movie of that size acting in a movie of that size was very new for me and you know the grand fear of disappointing someone was around 
Meanwhile, Ben Siller keeps asking if maybe the character could deliver that line in uh, Bruce Springsteen voice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is filmmaker and actor Mark Duplass. He's one of the stars on the FX series The League, which is about a group of fantasy football players. In this clip, Mark's character Pete is on the phone with his friend and fellow League member Kevin, who's portrayed by Stephen Ranazisi. Kevin. You ready for this thing? I'm impressed with you this season. You made it seven, well, eight minutes, actually, before you threw in the towel. And, you know, oh, I, I'm, it, man. Dude. I'm doing the work this year, okay? <laughs> yeah, I may even fly out to some, you know, mini camps. How about right. that? Do you ever think about that? Okay, I'm ready what, to go. Are you ready to go? What, what was that? What was that noise? What? The sound of... Of swirling water. A flush? Are you in the bathroom? Yeah, I'm in the bathroom. What's, what's the big deal? I'm not sure I really appreciate being associated with your bathroom time. This is the only time I get to myself. Is this a common occurrence? Yeah. Remember that big conversation we had about whether Megan and I were going to get married? Toilet. What about when I thought I might want to leave my job? Porta potty. Porta potty. That day was weird. We were doing construction on the house. Listen, in all seriousness, the reason I'm calling you is because I got to let you know. I'll give you the heads up that Jenny and I are going to try to have another kid. No, no. Oh, thank you so much for the for the warm tidings. Dude, you do not understand, okay? We had a massive blow-up over the kid situation. This has far-reaching implications. I'm going to get buried underneath this. Sucks to be you, champion. Got to go. You suck. See you Sunday. Love you. You're in the ensemble cast of this uh, new FX comedy series called The League. And this is uh, yet another kind of acting this is um uh the folks behind this series also worked extensively on curb your enthusiasm and um you're doing a kind of improv improvisational acting that doesn't start with a script it starts with a uh, an outline um a list of beats uh or moments um and you know do, doing a tv show is a completely different thing from doing a movie it's a whole other kind of commitment how did you end up uh, doing this? I met with Jackie and Jeff Schaefer, who who run the show. They had seen the Puffy Chair, and they really liked um, me and Katie in it. And I think they, Katie, I should say, is your is your wife, yes. who, who's also featured on this series. Exactly. And so we had a, a meeting with them, and we talked about it. And you know, my initial concern was, um, yes, we can do the improvisation thing. Yes, I think we can make it natural. Can we do that in a non-rambling way that works for a 22-minute format that kind of needs to have some punchier beats, you know? The jokes in my movies and the things I act in often take about seven and a half minutes for it to get funny, you know, and that's what I love about them. But um, they felt really confident in it, and I think a lot of the other people that they've hired to work on the show kind of come from the Upright Citizens Brigade world, and they're, they're super good at that succinct comedic beat thing, so I think... I'm projecting here, I guess, but I think in their brain, okay, Mark and Katie a little rooted in like the naturalism and the story and stuff. And then these guys are really, really funny over here with the jokes in the middle blend. We'll have a nice, uh, you know, uh, compromise of what we need. It, it is an interesting mix. I mean, you, you mentioned the cast also includes some people who've been on The Sound of Young America in the past, Nick Kroll and um, uh, Paul Shear, who are uh, among the just funniest people you could you, you could ever meet. Um, your character though is, um, your character though is sort of at the emotional center of the show, uh, a guy who's essentially his life is falling apart and he's, 
um, replaced it with uh, his skill and obsession with this fantasy football league. And um, it's funny, it sort of it sort of reminds me of that theme you were describing before of uh, the middle-class white person obsessing over something trivial. It seems like it's sort of the same, the same deal again. I think it is. At the, at the core of it, it's very, very similar to the characters that I have played and the, the types of things that I feel like I'm good at. The improvisation feels completely natural. And actually the film Hump Day that I acted in that Lynn Shelton directed was actually shot from an outline and uh, not from a script. So I was, I was used to that. I think what, what is different is that Jeff, who directs all of the episodes, Jeff Schaefer, he has a very specific vision once the improv starts happening. So you throw out all the ideas and then he sees it a couple of times and then he says, okay, this is what I want. And then we actually get into more of a traditional show where we're repeating things three and four takes in a row to give it to him. So it's almost like the first couple of takes are the rehearsal and then Jeff curates what he likes out of what we've given him and then we start exacting it over and over again. You know? So that's the challenge for me is to, to keep it fresh, which I, you know, I think that sometimes we're successful with, sometimes not as, and I think we're still finding our footing with it. You know? um, but the show itself is so ridiculously fun to make because it is – what we're really going for are naturalism and laughs. And there is a heart at the center of the show, but it's not something that requires the management that, that, that I've found that was required in a lot of our films. And um, maybe it's because it's episodic and just 22 minutes and you go from week to week. But um, I've never had so much creative freedom and so much sort of easy fun making a piece of art. Well, uh, Mark Duplass, thank you so much for taking the time to be on The Sound of Young America. It was so great to have you. Thanks for having me, man. It was fun. Mark Duplass is uh, the star uh, or one of the stars of the FX comedy series The League. Um, If you've missed it on television, you you can watch the entire run of this series on Hulu dot com or or you can uh, grab it in your your iTunes and whatnot. Uh, Mark, thanks again. Thanks for having me. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Music on the program provided by Dan Wally. Our show is edited by Nick White, our intern, Mariel Reyes. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. And if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me. My email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.